I definitely missed you all. Um, if you're new today, uh, my name is Jack Gonzalez. I'm the lead pastor here at Mosaic. My wife and I, Brenda, uh, Pastor Brenda, we pastor the church. Um, and we pastor the church with such an awesome group, an awesome pastoral team. Um, and they really held it down while we were away. So grateful and thank you to all of you. Um, and yeah, can we give them a round of applause? I mean, we were able to take a break and as they were holding things down, and of course you all, because we do it together. Um, and you know, and I really believe that, um, you, you know, there, let me say it this way, there are some good churches in Sacramento. There are some really good churches. You choose to call us home. There's some good churches in Sacramento. Um, you know, we're probably the best one, but there's, there's some good churches here in Sacramento. And um, we're just glad that you're here and this is your home and your family. <laughs> With that being said, let's go ahead and pray over the word and uh, get in, all right? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, be amongst our brothers and sisters in the faith, God. Um, we love you and we need you, Lord. And today, we just ask your blessing over your word that it would speak to us, minister us, encourage us, also convict us and challenge us, Lord. And I pray, God, that today that you, Holy Spirit, throughout the message will just begin to just release nuggets, release moments, Lord, where as we're here today listening to the word, we would just feel like that's for me. That, that's for me. I needed to hear that or I needed to understand that or I, I see what's going on in my life. And I just pray that, Lord, bless your word and bless this time. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. If I were to sit down with you and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation, Pastor, you want to have a one-on-one conversation? -on -one? Yeah, yeah. If I were to sit down and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation, I would just say to you, um, hey, Roberts, uh, you know that uh, friend you have? And you were to say, yeah, yeah, I know that guy. I know that guy. Um, I, and I were to ask you, you know, has he caused um, you to do anything good in your life? And you said, uh, well, I mean... Yeah, I could maybe think of some things. Uh, uh, and, and you said, uh, and, and you try to begin to name those things. And I said, well, um, you know, has, has this relationship in your life caused you to honor God in any way? Is, are you doing something differently to honor God because of the relationship? And he's like, yeah, I mean, there was that one time, you know. And then I said, okay, well, let me, let me just switch the conversation. You and I are having this one-on-one -on -one sit-down conversation. I said, okay, 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 okay. Check this out. Let me ask you this. Has that TV show that you've watched for so long, has that caused you to do anything good in your life? You know, what, what you've been paying attention to, what you want to well, you know, Pastor, I, you know, now I think of vampires differently or something, you know. <laughs> but ha has it caused you to honor God in any type of way? See, one day we all come to the place in life with the wisdom of God and we ask ourselves, what is really good in my life? What's good in my life? What, God, God, what do you want for my life? Should my life have purpose? You see, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you've chosen to grow in your faith and in the knowledge of who God is, then you know that your life should mean something. Your life should have purpose. It should have meaning. And who you spend time with and what you spend time doing will help shape and mold your perspective and who you come to be. You see, every part of the Bible teaches us something about God. It, it teaches us about who He is. 
I mean, that's part of the reason why you should have a faithful relationship with the Bible. Come on, somebody. Amen all by myself. Uh -huh. You see, the Bible teaches us about God the Father. The Bible teaches us about, about God the Son, about God the Holy Spirit. And in chapter 19 of the book of Luke, and that's going to be our main text today, we, we see, we, we learn about Jesus. And in fact, Dr. Luke, if you will, because he was a physician, presents Jesus in this threefold ministry. He presents Jesus as the Savior who seeks the lost. That's what we're going to talk about today. He presents Jesus as the master who rewards the faithful. And he describes Jesus as the king who offers peace. This is what we see. And today I want to spend some time with you talking about the first one. The savior who seeks the lost. We learn so much about Jesus through the scriptures. And understanding this is a huge part in understanding who we are as a church. And so we're going to take a look at Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And again, you can follow along in your message notes on the app, on the paper, on the screen. Just listen, open your Bibles. But we're going to be looking at these 10 verses. And it says this here in verse 1, Luke chapter 19. It says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Now, uh, he's, he's, he's on his way to Jerusalem. How do we know that? Because just the verses prior to that, he said to his disciples, listen, I'm heading to Jerusalem, and they're going to treat me horribly. They're going to kill me, and then I'm going to rise on the third day. And the disciples had no understanding. Zero. It's like their minds were blocked. Have you ever seen that? You're just trying to talk to and they don't get nothing of what's happening? Like nothing. So they didn't understand nothing of what Jesus was telling them. But Jesus, nonetheless, he says, okay, now we're, we're, we're going to head that way. Now, to get that way, you had to go through Jericho. Now, just prior to getting to Jericho, they run into blind Bartimaeus. He is a man on the side of the road as the crowds are following Jesus and his disciples. And he says, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Have you ever been in a situation where you needed to cry out to God? Have mercy. Have mercy. Jesus hears him, heals him, and continues on this path, on his way to Jerusalem through Jericho. And this is where he's at in verse 2. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Now, the name Zacchaeus means righteous one. But at least according to the Jewish people, they thought of this supervisor of tax collectors, uh, to, to, they thought of him as not really living up to his name, if you will. Um, tax collectors generally became very wealthy. They collected taxes from the Jewish people and they were worked for the, the Gentile Romans and it was really looked down upon in culture and society in the Jewish culture. Verse 3, it says this, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Have you ever been there? All the tall people said no. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> That's not me. I'm, I'm ungrateful for the stage. <laughs> but you can be there in a situation and you can't see and you can get frustrated and, and, and leave. But that wasn't Zacchaeus. Check out what Zacchaeus does in verse 4. 
This is this. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree. What's a sycamore fig tree? It's like a fig tree. It's a little bit different. It also produces a fig. It's a little bit smaller, and it's not as sweet. It's a little bit different. But he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Now, there are some things in this life that are worth you looking like a fool if it means you're going to draw closer to God. There are some things that culture and society is going to think that you're just dumb for doing. They're going to think, man, go to church, serve the Lord, honor God in this relationship, do the right thing? Come on, man. Why do that? There's a shortcut. Nobody will know. I mean, it fell off the back of the truck. I mean, it's, it's, it's legal. No. There are some things that because of the way you live your life, I will follow Jesus even if culture thinks it's completely wrong. Even if they're completely against it, if it's in every show, it's if it's in every movie, in every song, I will follow Jesus because I know, I know why I love Jesus. I know why I follow Jesus. Come on, somebody. There's some things in this life that are worth going out of your way for, even at the expense, at the cost of looking like a fool. Look at verse 5. Look, look what happens. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, he's hanging in the tree branch, right? Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Now, I want to point something out here today. Zacchaeus absolutely went looking for a chance to see Jesus. I mean, that's why he couldn't see. He was a short stature, climbed the sycamore fig tree, hang over, saw Jesus was coming. He absolutely went to go look for Jesus. But it needs to be clear today that Jesus is looking for lost sinners. Jesus is looking for lost sinners. The question is, are we looking for lost sinners? See, the Bible said that Jesus reached the spot, looked up, and called him down. And we see this throughout Jesus' earthly ministry. He leaves the 99 to get the one. He, he, he then gives us the great commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Go and do this. And we see this repeated over and over. We see the Holy Spirit leading Christians to do this, to look for lost sinners. Are we doing this? See, we don't want to wait for people to come to us. We seek them out. Who is that one around you? In verse 6, it says this, so he came down and at once welcomed him gladly. Verse 7, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Now, I've mentioned this before, but the Jewish people looked down on tax collectors. You know, they, they looked at them as they were like the scum of the earth, the worst possible sinners, lowest of the lowest in society. And they call him a sinner, but considered themselves clean and pure because, you know, they went to the synagogue. They went to church. But the truth is we all got stuff that we got to bring to the Lord. The truth is we all got stuff in our life that we need to surrender to Him. The truth is that there's, there's Christians who struggle with pornography. There's Christians who struggle with drinking, with, with smoking. There, there's Christians who struggle with... Uh, womanizers, there's uh, adultery and cheating and all kinds of things that plague people. There's, there's all kinds of things. 
and we, 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 we can't have the attitude of, I'm going to judge, look at, look, at, look at them, but recognize that we got some things we need to bring to the Lord. And, and we need healing from. In verse 8, it says this, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Why four times? Why four times? Jewish law required in Exodus chapter 22, verse 1, that if you have cheated anyone, the law required that you pay back four times the amount of the, that has been cheated. Zacchaeus isn't throwing random numbers out there. He is, he is talking about fulfilling the law and the requirements of law if you've done anything wrong. And then it says this. You know what we see? We see this repentant heart. We see a man who truly says, listen, God, I'm sorry. I did it. If, if, and, and, and if I've done anything, God, I'm sorry. A person who wants to do right by God. Verse 9. Verse 9 and 10 says this, Jesus said to him today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Verse 10, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Seek and to save the lost. Why did Jesus come? To seek and to save the lost. Should this also be part of our life's purpose? See, Jesus is walking through Jericho. He calls Zacchaeus to come down from a tree. He stays at his house. Zacchaeus receives salvation, and we understand more about Jesus. We learn more about him today. He came to seek and save the lost. And this is us, Mosaic. This is who we are. This is why we exist. This is why God has called us together to be a church. Have you ever heard in life it's important to have a why? Like a why you do what you do? Right, you've, you've heard of that, right? You, you go to the gym, you gotta have a why, right? Because in tough times, it'll keep you going, right? You go to the gym and they tell you, hey, when it's tough, you feel like giving up, you know, you, you gotta have your why. Remember your why. You know, I go to the gym and I'm trying to, you know, do my, do my push ups and I come and I go, okay, one, all right, two, okay, three. Oh, man. Woo! <laughs> Three. I mean, we got some brothers in the church got a hundred push-up per day challenge. I got three. <laughs> but if I remember my why, I'll get I'll get two more. Four. Five. Whoo, okay. <laughs> Pastor, only five push-ups? Five per minute. Come on, somebody. Hey. <laughs> it's important that we have a why. You should always know why you are doing what you are doing. I mean, this is what will help you get through tough times. And Mosaic, we have a why. Why we do what we do. Why we exist. You see, we believe that it's possible for everyone to find hope and healing. And really, this is what God started my heart during this whole time is that we believe everyone can find hope and healing because we have found hope and healing and we're not called to be a church that just has great community, but we're called to be a church that lives on mission. And I've said this to you several times, and I've prayed this, God, God, when you're passing out assignments and you're going to give, God, you can trust us to do whatever it is, God, that you would like for us to do, whatever it is you believe we can do. We are called to be a church that believes everyone can find hope and healing.
No matter the situation, no matter what's happened, no matter how far along you've been, no matter if you've rejected God your whole life, no matter if it's never made sense, we believe that you can find hope and healing. We believe that God can transform your life. We believe he can set you free. No matter how, if you've been hurt, you've been abused, you've been mistreated, all the things, we believe you can find hope and healing. This is our why as a church. This is the the new vision clarity that God has given me for us. We have found hope and healing, and we believe it's possible for everyone to find it. This is something that you're going to see everywhere. You're going to see it on on, on our website and on T-shirts, and you're going to hear us talk about this everywhere because we we believe you can find hope and healing. And I want to just take a little bit of time and talk a little bit about, about these two things. You see, hope, hope. Hope can cause a shift in mental, emotional, physical, and in eternal direction. Hope. Can you imagine that mental shift? Hope can change the mental. Where was your mind? What were you thinking about? How did you feel about yourself? How did you feel about the people around you? Hope can change it. It can change the emotional state. Emotionally, you were all over the place. But hope can do that. Physical direction and what you were doing and what you were participating and what was happening in your health. And an eternal direction, what happens after you take that last breath. Hope is powerful. Sometimes we think of hope and we think of, you know, just hope to get through this financial situation. And absolutely. Or hope that we'll one day get past this heartache. But how about humanity having hope that the sin they've accrued can be forgiven? And one day they can enter into a right relationship with God. Or how about hope that after we take that last breath here on earth, that we will be welcomed into eternity and not judged by all the sin we've accrued in this life. You see, Zacchaeus had hope. And in verse 4, we see this. It says this, So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. See, he had, he had hope. He heard Jesus was coming. The crowds were stirred. He was too short. He wasn't going to let that get in his way, so he climbs up. And he had hope that he might have a glance, that he might see Jesus, that he might get his attention. He hoped. He, at the cost of looking like a fool, he doesn't care because Jesus is here. But I want you to see hope a little bit further in verse 5 and 6. It says this, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Jesus calls him down and says, I must stay at your house. I must stay at your house. Imagine Jesus saying that to you. Because he is saying that to you. I must stay at your house. Who am I that you would want to stay in my house? That you'd want to live in my life? That you'd want me to offer you hospitality? Who am I, Jesus, that you would want me? Jesus, don't you know my background? Jesus, don't you know what they say about me? Jesus, don't you know about all the things that I've done? Don't you know and you want me? 
Why me, Jesus? Why, why me? Out of everyone here, you know I'm not worthy. See, you need to understand God's perspective. See, the truth is, outside of God, yeah, 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 you're, you're not worthy. Think about all the things, all of the things that have happened, you've said, you've thought, you've watched, you've participated. Yeah, but you have to understand that he loves you anyways. That's why he came. And when you accept him, he just wipes it away and it's gone. There's freedom. Chains can be broken. This is why he came. And in that moment, hope filled Zacchaeus up. See, Zacchaeus went from this notorious tax collector to the host of Jesus. He, 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 went, he, he went from somebody hated by everybody to hosting Jesus. Jesus, why me? How am I worthy? How am I good enough? How have I earned this? How have I deserved this? From notorious to host to Jesus. And you've probably been there before. You probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Hope will take you from the wrong identity to the true identity as a child of God. And we believe everyone can find this hope. We believe God is calling us to be ushers of hope in Jesus Christ. And hope is half of our why. The other half is, is healing. You see, transformational healing can only happen in Christ Jesus. Transformational healing only in Christ you know, anyone can claim that they've been healed from something. You know, anybody could say, yep, yeah, you know, this is, I was that, and I'm not like that anymore. But the kind of healing that I'm talking about is healing in a way that causes you to think differently, causes you to do differently, see differently, and be different. Transformational healing in Christ Jesus. See, what could have caused Zacchaeus to act the way he did? Why was Zacchaeus all of a sudden willing to do all these things? What happened in his life? transformational healing. Look at this in verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. Who's going around and doing that? He says this, and if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amounts. Four times the amounts. Right? I will fulfill the requirement of the law for stealing. Give half my possessions. See, the reason why Zacchaeus had a change in behavior he had a change in thinking. He had a change in his perspective in action. Is because of one thing. Jesus entered into his life. Jesus entered into his life. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I must be a guest in your house. Zacchaeus could have said, sorry, Jesus, you know, my house is too dirty. I just, I just, I just got, a, I got a lot of things going on, Jesus. You know what? The truth is, is it's just not the right time. I, I, it's, just, it's, it's just not, it's, it's not the right time, Jesus. Or, or no, Jesus, because, you know, the people don't already like me, you know, and it'll just be worse if I let you, if I, if I bring you into my house. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that Zacchaeus welcomes Jesus gladly. (sighs) 
if you welcome Jesus gladly, it's because you recognize something. You recognize who you've been, what you've done, and you recognize that hope and healing is right in front of you. It's attainable. You don't have to be what you've been and done. You can have new life in Jesus. Transformation is really possible. Regardless of every thought that you've had, you can welcome him gladly because hope and healing is at your doorstep. And God is wanting, he's wanting to be a part of your life. You will find yourself healed from that experience of pain, that pain you've endured. You will find yourself thinking differently, forgiving differently, seeing others differently, being different. But you have to let him in and you have to let him work in your life. Come on, somebody. In Jeremiah 17, 14, it says this, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me and I shall be saved, for you are my praise. See, Jeremiah knows where real healing can be found. The psalmist says in Psalms 140, uh, 147, verse 3, says this, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. See, this can only be found in God's grace. Too many people have believed that there's no way that they can turn their ship around. Too many people just believe that it's just, it is what it is. They believe the lie that they're too far gone. They believe the lie that it's not worth it. They believe the lie that people are going to treat them differently. Well, fine, yes. But the truth is that in God's grace and in his mercy, he can set you free from whatever it is you've experienced. Whatever it is, church that maybe you're dealing with this morning and i know that you love the lord and you're here you're here in the house you love your church you love you you you, you love what god is doing here but maybe there are some things that are still happening in your life and you're, some things that you're still dealing with and some things that you're still struggling with even those things god can heal you of those things you're going to have to number one let him in maybe you're there but now allow him to work in your life and that requires you bringing something to him I love you, Lord, but I've been holding this. Now let it go. Now lay it at his feet. Now bring it to him. Now trust him with it. And let him break the grip that sin has had in your life. See, we believe you can find hope and healing in Jesus because we have found hope and healing in Jesus, and he's not done working. Listen, when, when God saved me, he transformed me. He set me free. Right? I, I'm not who I was. I don't think that way anymore. I could be real with him. I recognize my identity as a child of God. When, when God saved me, he transformed me. Transformed my thinking. Transformed the way I see other people. Transformed the way I forgive people. Listen, the last thing that I want to share with you um, today is this, is the Bible says Zacchaeus was a short man, and that's why he climbed the tree, to, to be able to see Jesus. But isn't it true that all of us are short in the spiritual sense? 
that we all come, we all fall, we all fall short of God's glorious standards. There they are. But we don't meet them. It's only through Jesus, when we accept Him as Lord and Savior, that we are forgiven and then we can be in right standing with God. Only through Jesus. So here's my challenge for you um, today. My challenge is this, is can you identify three people who you know need hope and healing in Christ and invite them to church? Why is this such a, a big deal? Because we believe that God can do it. We believe that God wants to do it. We believe people are asking questions but don't know how to communicate what they're feeling inside. Invite three people who you know need hope and healing in Christ and, and let God work in their life. Number two, is there an area of your life that you need to expose to God's healing? Maybe it's been doubts. Maybe you said, nope, nope, can't do it. I've struggled. I believe at this level, but I don't believe at that level. Can you bring that to the feet of the Lord? Maybe there's been something else. Maybe there's a pornography thing. Maybe there's a, a smoking thing, a drinking thing. Maybe there's a, a watching thing. Maybe there's a, a participation thing. Maybe there's a way that you think. Maybe it's this, I can't forgive any one thing. Can you bring that to his feet? Expose it to God for healing. If you want healing, you're going to find healing. And if you don't want healing because you want to hold on to it, well, that's what's going to continue to eat at your life. I love the Lord. Yeah, but you won't let go. Bring it to the Lord and let him heal. Let him do it.